In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I bring good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and peace on earth among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Luke, the, the gospel writer Luke, he loves him some history. If you look at the very beginning of chapter 1, he talks about how he's going to write an orderly account. Luke writes his gospel, and he's, he's very interested in the historical details, the historical markers of the story. He wants everyone to know this thing that I'm going to tell you about, it happened in history. And here are the details and he notes lots of different things as you read through Luke's gospel. We've already seen some of that. But Luke wants you to know the historical details. 
Because, as they say, the devil is in the details. And so it begins with this note that the Emperor Augustus is in charge. This is the first real emperor of the Roman Empire. Okay, this is the greatest empire the world has ever known up until this point. And this is the emperor. Yes, Julius Caesar came before, but this is the first time he's consolidated power and the emperor rules over everything. An empire that controls, an empire that is occupying, that is oppressing the people of Israel. And Luke wants you to know that. And Luke says that this emperor, he makes a decree, literally a dogma. He decrees that a census shall be held. Luke notes that he decrees that, note here, all the world should be registered. Now that's some power. And then Luke says, and all went to their towns to be registered. Augustus says, jump, and all say, how high? And it's in that context, then, that we pick up our story with Mary and Joseph. Now, it's been a few months since we've seen them, since last week for us, where we heard Mary sing her song, The Magnificat. But now it's been a few months, and they've been waiting. And they've been waiting, and they've been waiting. And now, here, here we see them. Joseph has been called to report to his hometown, the city of David, Bethlehem. This is where he's from, and so there he must go. And Mary goes with him. Now, let me, let me paint you a picture here. Let's, let's get a picture of what's happening here with Mary, okay? Um, so, a decree is made. And Mary now hears, has to go with Joseph to his hometown. Okay? This is 90 miles away, roughly, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. All right? She has to go to a place that is not her home. Remember, while being in her third trimester. So I was trying to think about this. This is like, and we've been fortunate enough, Anne's had... We've had three children. Anne's been in her third trimester three times. I'm trying to imagine getting the mail one day and going, <clears throat> okay, um, and going, uh, Anne, um, I know we're, you're about to have a baby. Um, we're going to have to go to College Station, even though you're about to deliver. Seriously? Yeah, to College Station. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to ride a donkey. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how that went over when Joseph had to break that news. Um, here, just kind of step up on my thigh here, right, as you get up on this donkey. 90 miles. This took probably a week. This is hard. This is dangerous. And now Luke points out in verse 5. This is interesting to me. So 
We're going to go on this journey. Mary, we already get this idea that Mary is going to go in her third trimester. This is hard, this travel. And then Luke says in verse 5, he went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged. I find that interesting. We've already heard this once, right? When Mary first got word that she's going to have a baby and we hear that she is a virgin, that she is engaged to Joseph but not yet married, and we talked about this. In this culture, in this context, this is disgraceful. And so you would have thought, in these months of waiting, maybe it would have been a little easier if they would just go ahead and tied the knot. It's interesting. Still engaged. Still a scandal. Hmm. And then they show up. They get to Bethlehem, the city of David. And it says, there is no room in the inn. Well, so I got to tell you, um, I actually I went to Bethlehem a few years ago. I went there for a conference on peacemaking. It was an amazing conference. There were people from all over the world. There were Jews and Palestinians, Arabs, people all over, Muslims, Jews, Christians, together, thinking about peacemaking. And I went to this conference, and I remember I went, and I spent a few days in Jerusalem, around there. And then it was time to actually go to Bethlehem. And I remember showing up to the wall that divides Israel and Palestine, and you had to walk through a checkpoint. And I remember, you know, with my little rolly bag, going through the little line to get into Palestine. I finally get up. You know, I get my passport. And they let me in, and I walk into Bethlehem, to the West Bank. And this taxi driver greets me. And he grabs my bag, and he puts it in the back, and he says, Where are you from? I said, Texas? And he said, you are welcome. So we got in the taxi, and we drove over, and he asked me which hotel, which inn we were staying at, and I told him, and we show up to the hotel where the conference is, and we're walking in, and I have to be honest, as I was walking in, I had this thought, wouldn't it be so cool if they messed up my reservation and there was no room in the inn for me. I mean, that will preach someday. And I went into the hotel, and they had my reservation, and I got my room, and, uh, you know, there goes that. But for a brief moment, I thought, what a great story. But actually, what happened was I showed up, and I was welcomed, and I was received, and I experienced the hospitality of Bethlehem. But Mary did not. You know, here's the thing. It actually wasn't a hotel. It wasn't an inn. It's a little misleading, the translation there. I grew up, right, thinking that this was an inn where they showed up in Bethlehem, and they went into this, to the front desk, and they said, okay, I'd like a room. And they said, oh, all the rooms are full. Some guy's like, sorry, and they leave. No, no, that's not actually what it was. The, the better translation is this is a guest room. It's a guest room. Someone's home, they have maybe an extra room, probably upstairs. And so they showed up in Joseph's hometown, where he comes from, and there is no room for them to stay. 
I mean, can you imagine that? Like, what's going on there? Somebody had to be in that guest room, see this young teenager about to give birth to a child. And they say, sorry, I was here first. And so Joseph and Mary have to find somewhere else to stay. And we don't know exactly what that looked like. I mean, we have our nativity scenes with the stable. It's hard to know exactly. But what we do know is it's not somewhere where a young teenager about to give birth should be staying. But here's Mary about to give birth. And we hear that then finally when the child comes, he lays her in a manger. Literally, a feeding trough. Manger kind of softens it a bit, right? Right? We almost, we hear this song, and we talked about, I had some of you raised your hand last week, your favorite hymn, Christmas hymn is Away in a Manger. Great song. <clears throat> but boy, it makes it sound pretty. This is a feeding trough. I feel like Away in a Manger should have been written in a minor key. And so the child is born. And so here we have, Luke tells us, <clears throat> Augustus, the emperor, is there giving decrees and all the people go where they're supposed to go. The power that he has to tell people to do and they do from Rome, from far away, sitting on his throne, barking orders and people obey. <clears throat> this one, Augustus, who, when he came into power, went to the Senate of Rome and said, I want you to declare that Julius Caesar, my adoptive father, is a god, making Augustus a son of a god. And on the other end of the story is the actual son of God being born in a feeding trough in the midst of a scandal and without any fanfare. I mean, do you notice this, what Luke does here? We have this whole story. I've been preaching on it, right? We get this announcement to Zechariah and we get Elizabeth filled with joy. We get Zechariah singing a song. We get a visitation to Mary, the angel Gabriel, saying that you will give birth to the Messiah. And she sings her song. All this buildup, all the story that we've been hearing is getting us ready. We've been waiting, but now we're anticipating. And here it comes. And then Luke says, <clears throat> And while they were there, and the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This story that ends up being quite simple. But maybe that's the point. And the simplicity and the oddness of the story actually continues. Because now we get a new cast of characters. 
the shepherds. This is an interesting story, right? Here we have the angel shows up to these shepherds to announce this good news. Now we have to understand at the time, we just got told that the Messiah was born, the king. And you would expect then for messengers to go out and to tell first and foremost the religious and political leaders of the day, I have news for you. But literally, this angel, the same word for messenger, goes and tells this news to some shepherds. Now, what's interesting is these shepherds, um, what do we know about them? Well, first of all, it doesn't tell us this directly, but they were probably young. If you recall, David and his brothers, right? Which one was out watching the sheep? The youngest. That the ones out watching the sheep are probably young. So I wonder if even in this story, the shepherds here are the same age as Mary. So here are these teenage boys. They're out there at night watching the flocks. And what's interesting here, we don't even get their names. We get Augustus, we even get Quirinius, the governor of Syria. We get some other names. We don't even get their names. They're just some shepherds. But there they are. They're not in Rome. They're not even in Jerusalem. They're not even in Bethlehem. Luke tells us they're living in the fields, watching at night. This is hard. This is dangerous. And it's to them that this news comes. They've been watching and they've been waiting for centuries. And an angel appears and tells them, Do not be afraid. For see, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. But glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace for those whom he favors. Amen. I mean, what are these poor shepherd boys supposed to do with this? Imagine seeing this glorious sight and hearing these long-anticipated words. I mean, these aren't just little names, titles thrown out. These angels show up and they say, a child is born who is a Savior, who is a Messi the Messiah, the King that you've been waiting for, the Lord, God Himself. But I love that 
right after the angels say, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. He says, and this will be a sign for you. And you've got to think they're waiting for some glorious sight, some king riding in on a horse. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a child lying in bands of cloth, wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a feeding trough. <laughs> and these boys have got to be going, do what? Now, quick side note. This is, this is for me, maybe. Um, I've, I've heard this story a lot, right? And I just want to point out, when, when the angels do come and they say glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those whom he favors, I've read that and I've always kind of been troubled by it, I'll be honest. Because right before that it says, great joy for all the people. And then it says, for whom, for those he favors. It almost sounds like God's only doing this for some, only those he favors. But I want to point out that the text actually says, on earth, peace to humans. That's the word. To humans. And the word there is not favored like we saw with Elizabeth and Mary. It's a different word. It's a word that means like God's pleasure, God's desire, God's delight. That on earth, peace to humans who God desires. My aside just got me off my notes. Where am I? Okay. So, here's the angels, these messengers, and they show up. And they say this kind of news about a Savior and a Messiah and a Lord, but then this child will be in a feeding trough. And so what do these nobodies do with this thing they've heard? Well, verse 15 tells us. Verse 15 when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. This cracks me up. I don't know why, but I think this is so funny that you're out at night in the fields and an angel comes with the glory around this angel and he says, this announcement, and then the whole hosts of heaven come saying, glory to God in the, highest of heaven, in the highest heavens, peace on earth to whom he favors. And they go, they look at each other and they say, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Like, of course? What do you mean? Of course you take off running to see this thing. What is this that the angels have talked about? Let us go see. I do have to ask also, what about the poor sheep, you know? Sure hope they were okay, but they don't even care. They run with haste to the city of David to see this thing. And Luke tells us that when they get there, they see the child. And what do they do? Well, they've heard and they've seen, and so they tell. They can't 
help themselves. They've heard this good news of great joy for all the people, and now they've seen it with their own eyes, and they go and they tell. And the people are amazed. And then they return to the fields, glorifying and praising God. You know what gets me about this story? So we never hear from these shepherds again. God could have sent the angel and the heavenly host to anybody in the world, and God sends them to these young shepherd boys in the fields. We never know their name, and we don't hear from them again. And we got to think about this. The shepherds, they had to wait 30 more years before Jesus would begin his public ministry. I mean, who knows if they were still alive by then? I mean, I wonder if they ever went to visit Jesus as he was growing up. I mean, you had this thing. You went and saw this baby. You got to think a few years later, you're like, uh, is this thing still happening? <laughs> I wonder if they went to Nazareth just to check in. Because I'm guessing... It was hard to keep waiting when you get this kind of news. It's hard to keep waiting when you're living under Caesar, Augustus, as he runs the show and tells people where to go and when to go. It's hard to keep waiting when Rome is occupying your land. They had to keep waiting to see if this baby would actually become a king. They had to keep waiting for Israel to be restored. But on this day, all they could do is rejoice and praise God and share what they have heard. Do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a feeding trough. Glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth for those humans that God desires. When you hear this kind of news, you can't help but share it. This news that the God who created the universe, the God who is existence itself, the God who has all power and dominion has come into the world as a baby. The good news that the Messiah, the long-awaited king, has been born. And that the baby, that baby is the one who will bring joy to all the people and peace to all the earth. How can you not share it? How could you not go tell it on the mountains? 
But there's another response to this kind of news. And it's the response of Mary. Mary hears what the angels have heard. And and it says, But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. So here's my encouragement to you this Christmas. I want you to hear this good news, and I want you to be so filled with awe and amazement that you want to run out and share it to everyone who will hear it. But I want you to do that on the 26th. Because today and tomorrow, I want you to treasure these words and ponder them in your hearts. And so what I want you to do is to start that now. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and hear these words, to treasure them in your heart. And here's the thing. So often when we come to worship, we might have heard things in the past like, leave all the rest of the world, all that baggage, all your worries behind, and come and worship God. But actually, I'm inviting you to the opposite today. I want you to bring all the things that you're scared of, all the things you're worried about, all the fears, all the anxieties, all the hopes, and all the joys All the things you're waiting for. Bring them to this moment. And then treasure these words in your heart. Hear this good news. Do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Glory to God in the highest heavens and throughout the earth. Peace to humanity who God desires. Amen.